Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode. Got a great guest in Mr. Greg Patterson, the CEO and one of the partners in the advisory group, a wealth management firm based out of San Francisco. And they work with a handful of high net worth individuals, business owners, entrepreneurs. And one of their kind of mindset principles or mottos that I really like is making work optional. And the way you do that, right, is by creating a strong foundational wealth building platform and plan for you to execute on from the perspective of you, yourself, from the perspective of your team or your employees, and then how you go out and roll that into the community and how this ecosystem kind of all cross-pollinates. And so we got into some great things in today's episode that are really going to help you identify how, at least from their perspective, they attack it. Now, everybody goes about building and creating wealth differently. So I really ask some pointed questions in terms of how they think about things. You know, if it's all about you know, stocks and the financial markets, or if they take a holistic approach and hearing how he responded to that. We talked about a lot of the challenges that, you know, people struggle with, whether it's the physical side of executing and planning and the strategies with it versus some of the mindset and money issues that a lot of individuals have that prevent them from creating wealth, at least from his perspective. We talked about a lot of the challenges that come from being you know, a hard-charging, driven entrepreneur or, or business owner or somebody who wants to build wealth um, and still being present and enjoying the journey. We talked about that balance between being hungry and getting after it and grinding and hustling versus also being patient. You know, we talked about some of the things that skill-wise you're going to want to develop from his perspective that he's seen in many of their clients who are very successful that you might be able to pick and pull from. As you guys know, I'm always looking to identify the things that are unique to that person's experience, but also who they get to surround themselves with, knowing that there's always clues and cues of things that, you know, it doesn't always have to be the same for everyone, but based on where you're at in your journey, there could be some really important or, you know, uh, compounding, you know, activities and mindsets that could make a really big difference for you in your journey. And so that's what we dug into on today's episode with Mr. Greg Patterson. As always, if you enjoy the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to shoot us a text at 844-447-1555 with any questions that you have. Tag me on social media. And let's dig into today's episode. Uh, Without any further ado, Mr. Greg Patterson, right after this quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions and of course larger deals and paydays all around. We call 
this deep sales. And LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, Craig Cecilio, CEO and founder of Diversifund. Fund. How we doing, brother? Doing great. Thanks for having me today. Dude, I mean, uh, you, I've been following what you guys have been doing for quite some time. You know, when when crowdfunding and real estate kind of collided, um, it, it was very interesting to see the pioneers in the space. And you guys have been in the space since 2016. Um, when people ask, you know, who you are and, and what you guys do, what do you tell them? Wow. I mean, today it's different, but uh, I, always, I always start with the vision is we're trying to provide uh, an opportunity for the everyday person, open up private markets for uh, the everyday American, the everyday consumer, uh, giving the 99% the same opportunity as the 1%. And we managed to do that over the last four or five years. We were able to build a platform, sustain all the trials and tribulations that come with it. Uh, we've had a couple of fantastic years. So we're, we're, we're pretty fortunate and thankful. Well, I'm excited to kind of dig in on what you guys have seen in terms of the market evolution, asset classes, challenges, opportunities. But I want to kind of know where this vision started for you. I mean, I'm always curious to see how, you know, intelligent CEOs and, and kind of game changers and thinkers, you know, take an idea and, and bring it to fruition and, and make it a reality. So where did where did Diversifund, you know, kind of start? I, I was fortunate enough where my early mentors uh, appeared in probably when I was 23, 24 years old when I first moved out to California, and they were syndicators. They were syndicating deals, and uh, they were syndicating it for businesses and for real estate. So at 23, 24, my eyes were kind of open to this world that I never knew existed, this private market world, kind of the shadow world uh, that you didn't know. You couldn't read in a book. You weren't taught about it in school. But the passion, I think, started as I look back is growing up and seeing my family, very uh, working class family. My mom was a school teacher and my dad worked in retail. Yeah, they had a good upbringing, but they never got to that next level. They weren't at the country club level. We were, we lived in a pretty uh, well-off community, but we didn't have enough money to join the country club, the golf courses per se. So I think that's kind of where it, it started and that's where the passion came through. And so having that background and then getting that exposure early in life, it's kind of a natural organic evolution. And then I saw something with the jobs act and it was kind of this kind of epiphany. It was light bulb moment. We're going, okay, this is what I'm meant to do. And the rest is just kind of just trying to figure it out along the so, way. So what was it about the jobs act? That kind of was like that light bulb moment for you where you saw opportunity. It, the, the advent of technology, the growth of technology and the internet and seeing how how do you apply that to this industry? And the Jobs Act just said, okay, you could open this up to anybody, regardless of your net worth. We always had to work with accredited investors and institutional investors. So I was like, okay, I could do this, and then I could leverage technology to do that. 
And so that was like, oh, that's great. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I have to do this. And now you guys, you know, wanted to kind of, like you said, right, be the bridge between the everyday investor who oftentimes, unless you were, you know, private equity group, hedge fund, you know, large family office, um, you didn't get access to real estate assets and, and investment opportunities the way kind of the landscape has changed and allowed people to now. Um, what what was it about that that was so intriguing and interesting and exciting for you? Uh, I think I think the the passion came from the childhood saying, "Hey, now people like myself growing up have that opportunity to go up the wealth ladder." I always felt like being American is the ability here in this country to go up that wealth ladder. And we still had all these regulations, all these ways that still prohibited you. There's barriers, there's codes out there saying, hey, we're watching out for the consumer. We're doing this, we're doing that. But we live in a digital age today. You could kind of self-educate yourself about anything. I mean, we're all kind of like, when something breaks, I go to YouTube to fix it. I, right, I could yep. hook, hook up my mic the other day. I go to YouTube, it's been five minutes, I'm fixing it. So everything is kind of shared today. You can't really hide these things anymore. And, uh, you know, I found that just kind of uh, fascinating of, okay, how, how do I create a platform to do that? And uh, it's a lot of trial and error, a lot of, there was a lot of players in the beginning, a lot of uh, ups and downs, you have to work with the regulatory agencies, how are you doing these things, what's so kind of flipping a switch. Oh, yeah, by the way, you got to work on technology and coming from a syndicating uh, background, real estate background, now I'm a tech guy, I run a tech company. Oh, God. A lot of mistakes along the way here. <laughs> so learn that process out and how that comes together with marketing, product, technology, learning these things that were kind of didn't wasn't quite an expert in, knew a little bit about, knew a little bit about marketing, but really tying that all together. Wow. So yeah, it's been I, quite a journey. I love that um, you know, your your mentality, which is what I think every successful individual that I get to interview and talk with is like they don't know it all, you know, and, and it all started somewhere where they were a novice and then they put in the time and the repetition until they became, you know, kind of an intermediate. And then all of a sudden, you know, 10,000 hours later or, you know, 10 years later, all of a sudden you, you look up and you feel like you're kind of a, an industry or an, an expert, right, in, in that particular niche. And I'm curious, you mentioned something about, you know, Sometimes when you go into a space, it feels like, oh, great, you know, it's crowded and there's all kinds of people there. And maybe sometimes that's not always the case, but you mentioned that it was, right? There was a lot more people in the space or, or you know, groups in the space when you guys first got into it. But you guys have persisted and you guys have, you know, thrived. Uh, and many of those groups or companies have kind of faded off. Well, what was your guys' secret sauce? What, what did you guys do that you feel as either an organization or as a leader allowed you guys to you know, make it through and, and not only survive, but thrive and succeed during challenging times? Yeah, I, I would say we're kind, we're kind of stubborn. We were kind of grinding it out. We were like, we're going to stay the course with all the challenges thrown at us. It was seeing the, the market and how that changed. Because when this started taking off, it was a new thing. And all of a sudden, something a year later, crypto comes out. And all this organic traffic we're getting went to crypto. And we're like, oh, why are we slowing down? Why are things that worked like two months ago not working today? Yeah. How do we kind of maneuver in this field? And usually in that case, you're, okay, let's throw more money at it. And so, okay, but all the money is now changing the crypto, it's the crypto companies, the crypto apps and everything. So to persevere through that and to figure out how to do that uh, was a challenge. And we did that. It was kind of grinding it out and kind of you know, forces us to think outside the box. And so how do we do this? 
And uh, we're like, okay, you know, we're, we, we have a platform, we built a community. And so we kind of went to our community to raise capital from our community. And we did that quite successfully to raise about $18 million in the company to, to get to the next level to do that. So that was uh, a, a, good, a good time period. It was a good, um, uh, for us, it was a fortuitous uh, circumstance that we were able to do that and use that capital and invest in our company to get where we are today. And then with the pandemic happening, it forced some of the people to more focus more things online and through apps. And that also helped accelerate our, our business as well. So for people that don't know kind of what you guys do, you know, for the everyday investor, right? Um, what is the value proposition and platform of Diversifund? Our minimums are as low as $500. So that means everyone can participate. There's no excuse. It's $500. You pay courses online. You right. go maybe have an expensive dinner. I know everyone out there, you, you, you can start and you can at least get some education with it, at the least with it, education about investing. And then as our asset class is a multifamily value add, we're on our second fund with that. Uh, we'll offer more products in long term, but we kind of nailed that. Fortunate for everybody who's in that asset class today, the numbers are, are great. And how do you, as an everyday investor, participate in an institutional type product that requires anywhere from 5 to $15 million of equity to purchase? You can't. No one's going to call you up. No, You're not going to get a broker friend of yours. Uh, an attorney, uh, a developer, uh, other types of gatekeepers out there aren't going to approach you if you're not going to invest millions of dollars. Right. In some cases, uh, even if you have a hundred thousand dollars, people aren't going to approach you because they're moving vast amounts of uh, of capital into these projects. Yeah, and so we've been able to do that by creating a platform and uh, really uh, have a, a large community that's able to come together and have those large. Uh, a size of funds to purchase those assets. I love it. And I want to dig in a little bit more on asset classes and market and where you guys, you know, what are you seeing now? Where do you guys see things going? Um, what, is, what, what makes Diversifund different than a lot of the other crowdfunding type of platforms and organizations that are out there? Yeah. So right now we have over 30,000 customers in our platform, close to 100,000 transactions that have taken place uh, community size is over half a million uh, uh, people in our community. So we're, we're rather, we're a good size. We're highly focused on the everyday investor, a non-accredited investor. Uh, not many players out there who are that have that big of a community at that size. Um, our asset class is uh, we invest directly. We have REITs. So we've set up online REITs set up where it's all, all apartments. So we're very highly focused on that today. Uh, so th- those are the biggest differentiators, and we're always working on educating our our community and growing our community and giving them the tools so they can make the, have the best experience possible. Yeah, I, I love it, and I think you know that's something that I see so many people struggling with in terms of just financial literacy and kind of that financial fitness piece of like, you know, there there's some core foundational skills and you know, principles of being a sound investor, a steward of your money or your capital and, and, you know, elevating it, right. Growing it, using it to one, you know, unlock financial freedom for yourself, make an impact for your family, make an impact in, you know, charities or missions or causes that you're, you're passionate about. And a lot of that could be solved with, you know, financial literacy. And so I'm curious in terms of what you guys feel in your community are some of the most important skills or, you know, money principles or, or mindsets around 
building and creating wealth through investment? That's a great question. So recently we got became a registered investment advisor. I believe that got approved, let's just say November of, uh, where are we? 2021. <laughs> I get the years confused, right? Yeah, right. It's been and, a blur uh, the last two years. Yeah. And so that allows us to ask questions, you know, risk profile questions. What are your goals? What are your, what are your financial goals? So that's really kind of what we're gathering, a lot of information on our customers. We can take them down a specific journey. Everyone comes in with a little bit different type of background. And one of the things that were really kind of shocking to me, even people with a sophisticated amount of education and financial literacy really didn't understand the asset class and mm. they didn't understand forced depreciation, how it works. So we're really kind of creating that customized content and give everyone more of a personalized journey. So the education is based on what you know or don't know. So you can choose your path of what you want to learn. So some basic one-on-one principles to more advanced principles. So that, that was really fascinating to me is how much people do not know about this asset class. Right. That's pretty amazing. Shocking. Yeah, it is shocking. I mean, I'm sure just like you and your experience and journey, um, you know, when you, you know, people that are looking and, you know, pursuing wealth and are active in it, um, as I've gone further down the wealth building journey myself and, you know, grown my net worth and passive income over time, and obviously the different learning lessons, you know, you have along the way and the breadcrumbs along the wealth building trail that you, you follow, the amount of, you know, knowledge that there is to learn and the skills that have to be developed. I mean, it's, it can be a a long timeline and journey of really starting to kind of uncover and connect dots and feel confident in some of these things. And so what do you say to the person, you know, in terms of the mindset around timeline and, and patience and, you know, the discipline that's needed to keep, you know, building the confidence and having the right tools on your tool belt when it comes to this wealth building journey in general. What do you say to that person? It's a, it's a fascinating time period to be that person because there's a lot of tools available now that there wasn't yeah. before. So there's a ton of apps out there and platforms that you could start just doing the micro investing. You got from here, Robinhood, you can start trading for very small amounts there. You know, got our platform for some of the real estate. So there's a lot more opportunity than there was, and there's a lot more tools to, to self-educate yourself. So now you, you don't have to wait until you're 40 or 50 to start doing this stuff. You can start doing this as soon as you hit your 20s. Yeah. And it's just amazing the different tools out there. Uh, we, we create a tool, which is an auto-invest option, where you could have a, a money come out of your bank account on a monthly basis. And that seems to be very popular with the close to 10% of our community participating with that is it comes out of every month comes out of your paycheck. So that's a really great way to kind of build wealth. It's just micro dollars building up year over year. Granted, you start when you're 40 or 50, and I would start when I'm 21, 22, uh, just maybe a little bit, a few hundred bucks out of your paycheck each month. It makes a significant difference with time. Yeah, right. What does Einstein call it? Like the ninth or tenth wonder of the world, the compound interest, you know, being so important. And I was going to ask you kind of that question of like, what do you say to the, you know, 18 or 19 year old that you wish you would have known or that you wish you would have kind of subscribed to in terms of wealth building and maybe a money habit or discipline um, early on in your journey? And what do you say to the 55 year old or 60 year old that, you know, might feel like they're way far behind and it feels like, you know, uh, they're too late to the party? Well, the, the younger people, I'd say, my daughter said something, is that uh, compound interest, is that like money making its own babies, money babies? <laughs> so I like how she said that. Uh, so 
so that's kind of the same way I would. You're like, yes, honey, that that's a good way. (laughs) So it's kind of have that kind of messaging towards uh, maybe the younger cohorts and just say, Hey, you don't have to stick everything in. Just, just participate and learn. You use lower amounts. If you're farther along the curve, you're a little bit older, you probably have some savings. You have different tools to use, uh, whether it's a 401k, an IRA, you're more worried about getting taxed more than anything else. And that's always kind of changing that landscape. So one, study that landscape or where that is at that point in time. And and two, use those tools. You can use those tools to invest. So it's, it's never too late. But later on in life, I think more people have more of those, those IRAs and 401ks they could use to invest, which we, we take those things on our platform. And when you're younger, it's more of a, I would start with a micro investment. Of course, you know, you could put more money in, but I think you also have to go in and look at your specific own financial journey. Where are you? What are your goals? And the micro investing is, is just, it's, it's, it's really, it's phenomenal for everyone. That's, that's the word I come up with is you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. It's just a percentage of your portfolio. So putting a hundred or five hundred dollars in is really at the end of the day, it is not going to make or break you at all. Yeah. It definitely contribute a lot to your learning. Yeah, especially if you're younger too, I think, you know, the the mentality I've always subscribed to is, you know, I'm a millennial. I I like shit, you know, quick and fast and the click of a button. And, you know, that's kind of the world that I would say millennials and let's say the generations that are coming after that, they just that's all they know. It's what they expect. This this you know, quick turnaround, right? Instant gratification, but the, the greatest things in the world. And I just, I'm, I'm a fat kid at heart. I love food. Um, you know, using the analogy of like the microwave versus the crock pot, you know, yeah, you might get the dish a little bit quicker out of the microwave, but when all the right ingredients and the right time and everything fuses together in the crock pot, you know, which dish is, you know, 10 times better. Right. And that's kind of the the same way about wealth is, you got to keep putting in the right ingredients and let those things simmer and fuse together. And, you know, you're going to get some good quality outcome versus, you know, the things that you try and kind of cut the corners and you want those quick hits, you know, it just doesn't work that way when it comes to wealth. Right. Yeah. And you, you touched on something that's very interesting and very fascinating with some of the feedback we get. Since we have a lot of users, we do a lot of customer feedback is that instant gratification. So what we've built out with our product department is really kind of give them a lot of transparency of what's going on mm. and really explain things in a manner where they're getting information, get a little gratification. Hey, I put my money in. What's it doing? You know, I, I want to see something. Right. And so we've been developing uh, products and tools to show them that and give them more transparency in the process where uh, historically that really hasn't happened in private markets. Very kind of shadowy type of yep. uh, industry. Yeah, I think that's, man, that's something unique and I think is important to spotlight, right? Because especially nowadays too, you know, the way our brains think, it's it's almost like this gamification of like unlocking levels and seeing your progress as you go and that being something that, you know, psychologically in our brains, you know, is important to us to be able to see and feel those things and know that you're moving the needle forward a little bit, whether it's a little or a lot, you know, I'm a big believer in a lot of little things uh, lead to one eventually big thing, right? And so being able to see that transparency in your wealth building journey and follow along and kind of, you know, connect the dots and understand this decision led to that outcome, you know, is uh, a great way, I think, of building habits and disciplines for people around, you know, mentally, how they feel about what they're doing, but also write the actions and the outcomes that they're creating by doing those things. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, right now, I'm making sure not to check my crypto holdings because that's a negative <laughs> uh, trigger for me right now. <laughs> I hear you, brother. It's not really tracking up right now. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Yeah, you got to gotta be able to check those emotions <laughs> at the door when you look at your crypto wallet, yeah. that's for sure. So what are some of the best asset classes that you guys are seeing? Being that you guys are, you know, obviously, um, you know, crowdfunding and investing into... Yeah assets that produce great returns for your investors. Um, you know, what are some of the ones that obviously I think we can probably all agree on are going to be multifamily or going to be single family, you know, a lot of the, but I'm curious, what, what are your guys's core kind of asset classes that you focus on? And maybe what are some of the ones that you guys are interested in that you think might still have some runway? Yeah, we, we, um, during the pandemic, we made a decision to kind of like go all in. And so we just started purchasing a lot of multifamily value add and not a lot of people that was were a like good, really good ag- choice. aggressive. So we're kind of reaping the benefits today. And so that's great because we have a great portfolio and it's, it's really, really great. I've never seen it this great. And uh, now it's like, okay, if we, when we sell the portfolio, what do we do with those funds? How do yep. we deploy them? So we're looking is there is still some, uh, deals out there. Uh, traditionally, we're, we're trying to stay, uh, we're, we're trying to do institutional quality stuff. The institutions are really kind of coming down into the 10 to 15, uh, $20 million purchase yep. price range. That's kind of where we play like 10 to 25. Uh, so they are kind of creeping in and taking some of the, the good deals in the, in the, in the, in the, in the core of the, the core areas. Uh, so, uh, but you know, things are trading even in the tertiary markets and, and low cap rates. It's pretty crazy right now, but there is opportunity out there. And that's a little bit of our, our background of being in real estate for over, God, I'm old 25 years is, uh, is we still have opportunities to stay there. So as long as we still have those opportunities, we can still chase kind of those yields. Yep. And then now it's kind of crazy. The tools that we're using is, there's a lot of data and intelligence and where, where you can go where other people aren't. So there are other areas where you can go. And what I find fascinating is is how uh, let's look at the single family rental market. Of course, that's phenomenal. We all know that because the appreciation is just uh, just whatever it is. It's just I don't know. I've never seen it before. Is and and everyone's kind of getting that, and they're trying to create new types of products where mm-hmm. not buying one rental, but maybe buying a hundred rentals and creating a fund around it, trying yep. to institutionalize that. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast 
And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So I see a little bit of opportunity there um, in other, I, I might give away some secrets here, but I see some stuff that we're, we're working on is how we think a little bit outside the box and, and package maybe these smaller assets together and make them more institutional quality by uh, aggregating instead of like one single family rental, how do we purchase a hundred of them at a time? Yep. Um, and, and also I'm looking into uh, other asset classes the institutions aren't quite into, mobile home parks, of course, self-storage, uh, yeah. really a lot of storage stuff. Uh, you can look at some warehousing as well if you choose to write markets with all uh, all the uh, the Amazon centers, yep. uh, data centers, centers. Yeah. Uh, data centers as well, holding the data. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, you got to kind of just kind of kind of kind of dig through it a little bit. Uh, but I do see that in the horizon. Just kind of think a little bit outside the box. The core assets are still there. Not as many. It's not going to be as easy to get them. Probably yeah. not the price you want, but uh, there there is opportunity. A lot, a lot of opportunity out there for sure. And in terms of, are you guys mind stabilized? Or are you? I think you mentioned all value add, and maybe talk yeah. a little bit about the importance of, you know, the the syndicator, the operator, the the one who's going to take what's on that pro forma and actualize it, you know, into real returns on the P and L and balance sheet, and how critical that is to you know who you choose to invest with like a group like Diversifund or, you know, as people are looking at other syndicators or platforms or opportunities, how critical that piece is. It, it is critical because a lot of the deals come from operators who kind of are a little bit in over their head. And uh, so you have to have somewhat of um, a track record of, of overcoming obstacles. Yeah. Uh, you you got to dig into the right operator is it the right operators, the right market? Is that the right market for the right operator? All these pieces coming together. Uh, so it, it is a critical part, part of the process of the due diligence process. Because uh, you can still be in a great market and just not have the right operator. And yeah. get below that, at, uh, really kind of hammer the returns on that asset. Yep. In terms of the markets, what are you guys... I've you know I've had a couple of different conversations with different you know buddies at at hedge funds and private equity groups and um, you know it's always interesting to see you know what obviously kind of their buy box criteria is for the different asset classes and you know what uh, what they're looking for and what kind of internally their committees are you know staying away from or what they're excited about um, and then you know market wise I've been um, you know seeing a lot of the the funds really want to focus and still seeing runway in some of the red states being that they're business and or investor friendly. But then I've also seen the complete opposite of, you know, uh, groups and organizations only looking at blue states and, you know, markets uh, within, you know, those parameters. So I'm, what, what are your guys's kind of buy box criteria for, you know, one or two of the asset classes that you guys are bullish on? So we're in North Carolina, we're in South Carolina, we're in Florida, we're in Texas. We're in Salt Lake. Red, uh, red, red, so, red. <laughs> uh, we have only one in California. That's a kind of a, a that's a 
opportunistic because I knew the person and they were distressed situation. Got it. Uh, so that's the data we have right now of where we're purchasing. And then our pipelines kind of similar to those same areas Yep. right now, but that's what we're finding through our networks is, is the better opportunities uh, for ourselves. And of course, if you're in your backyard, you might have some sure. pocket listings and pocket deals, but right. we're on the larger scale. That's where we're finding more volume for ourselves. And I'm, I'm hearing a little bit about the Midwest too, uh, Missouri, Ohio, those areas, yeah. a little bit of this, there's getting some action there. Uh, we'll see, we'll, we'll see with that. Um, we, we, right now we have enough deal flow from the States I just mentioned for, for ourselves, but, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm seeing some people trying to go to the Midwest a little bit more. And are, and are you guys, um, you know, paying cash for the assets? Are you guys levering up your equity with a debt stack and, you know, you guys are playing the leverage? Yeah, typically, yeah, typically around 65% agency okay. debt. Perfect. And then in terms of what you guys are feeling in the market, right? Like what, uh, you know, it, it obviously supply, you know, is, is extremely low still demand is crazy high, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, debt and leverage is still at record lows. You know, what, what is your overall thoughts on what inflation, you know, you we're, we're seeing in the market and just in terms of how much runway, we've gotten the market and if you guys have any concerns or, you know, how your overall temperature is in the horizon of real estate. I mean, our, our current assets, I mean, we, they're, they're phenomenal. They're doing really well. So, I mean, always in my head is, okay, we're, we're selling a few. Uh, do we sell them all? And where do we redeploy that capital? Right. We do it. So looking at our opportunities and, and like I said, we, we have a decent pipeline. I think we could deploy most of that stuff, but how do we get, I mean, I'm not sure if we're ever going to get those returns, but can we get just kind of decent returns? Really, always the number of concerns, preservation capitals first. And second of all, how do you get the highest return possible with that asset? And, uh, you know, we're, we're still feeling pretty bullish about things everywhere with the rents going on. I mean, inflation's crazy. What was the number? Was it seven? Seven and a half as of this last last two two days ago, I think was the latest report. Yeah. So they, they got to they gotta temper that down. Um, and you, you, Interest rate hikes are coming. We just don't know when. And uh, to me, that's a buying frenzy. When they say that, that means everyone wants to buy now, which could push the values up even more with that. So if you want to sell, I'd say sell. If you have something, sell. Sell right now. Not right now. It's a great time to sell. And then if you're going to deploy, dig dig deeper. You're going to have to kind of take in that loose underwriting guidelines you might have been having the last few years and tighten them up to really kind of dig down into your market analysis, what's going on in specific area, industries and such. Um, really, really kind of digging in above uh, what's going on with the jobs market in those areas, and could they really sustain uh, the values, keep increasing with the rents? Because sooner or later, you can't have the rents going up as fast. As yeah, I mean, afford- affordability is going to hit its peak at some point, right? Where people just can't. Yeah. They just can't do it anymore, right? It just won't make financial sense. And, you know, like what we're seeing here in California, right? 10 cities popping up all over the place. Um, and where, where are you based out of, brother? Uh, so we're in San Diego, but okay. now we're pretty much nationally with the work from home environment. So okay. I'd say only 30% of the staffs in San Diego. So it's about 70% spread out throughout the nation now. That's awesome. Now, what yeah. is, what is the future for a uh, diverse fund? The future? Great question. Uh, we're continuing to grow our community, uh, continue to just uh, service our customers, keep developing these tools for them. Uh, we really want to kind of create, 
lower the barrier even further to take the $500 investment size down to $100 and really do that is really to work on our technology a little bit more mm-hmm. and improve that, uh, as well as work with um, ma- making things more uh, cost-effective for the consumers. A lot of transactional costs are involved with yep. compliance, with the paperwork, with the banks. And as we invest more and more money into technology, those costs, our savings gets to the consumer. So it gives them a higher return doing that. So that's kind of our, our biggest number. The next couple of years is really kind of developing our technology a little bit more, uh, growing our community and really giving them, uh, let's go back to the education is giving them the tools to make the decisions, really educating each person, giving that personalized journey. So they are the masters of the journey. So that meaning that they have the information at hand to make the best decisions based on their goals, their specific goals. I love it. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk uh, specifically about some of your your wealth focus. Um, what are you investing in right now outside? Is is all your money going into Diversifund or are you diversifying and, you know, got some different allocations of capital in your own, you know, portfolio? Yeah, you know, I was a little in crypto, not too much. So I got a little bit over there. So I consider that that's my spec bucket, right? Sure, yeah. Not my growth bucket. There's a difference between growth and spec. So yeah. I'm not sure if people really understand that. They they chase, okay, I might be chasing something online. Look, you got to look at that. Is this spec or this growth? What are your financial goals? Uh, I do have, uh, I did cash out of a few things. So I have some more cash than normally on in hand, basic stocks as well. Mm-hmm. And on uh, my horizon is I am going to personally invest in some other companies myself too. Uh, the multi- multiple companies is one of the things I've been doing, getting involved in private equity. I think there's an opportunity out there with baby boomers uh, aging. Uh, a lot of them are going to sell, be selling a lot of businesses here. Yep. So I think there's some opportunities to, innovate those businesses, bring them into, uh, uh, the technology age. So, yeah. Very cool. I love it. Now, in terms of, I, I've, you mentioned crypto, um, and obviously, you know, crowdfunding and and sourcing funds through groups of people is, is always a very interesting concept, um, in terms of how it can bring value to obviously the consumer and the customer, but also for businesses and, you know, smart money and, and people that can go and do great things with that. Um, I'm curious on your thoughts on, you know, the NFT uh, and, you know, blockchain and, and crypto space and how that might tie into what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's it's the regulatory agencies is the toughest part is yep. is they, they keep moving the goalpost. And right. the Biden administration right now, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipes. So we have to see what that is. Uh, to build something out could take you a couple of years. You want to build something and then they kind of change the whole game. You're yep. like, oh crap, I built something that I can't utilize today. And they and they really wanna say this is a security. They believe crypto and blockchain is a security. The SEC does, I know the administration does. They're really trying to hammer that down and have that oversight. And that's their, their biggest concern. We'll, we'll see how that works its way out. Um, but there, if the underlying technology is great. It's here to stay. But how does we, we, we pull that together, the regulatory agencies? And instead of, I heard someone say, instead of making it, hey, they say, hey, I'm protecting the consumer with the regulations. It should be more, how do I educate the consumer? Right. And since we're living in that digital age, all this information is out there and a lot of fake information. But I think we have to start educating people, give it, not taking away things, not add more regulation, but add more education and then have uh, some of the operators more accountable to what they're doing. Uh, so again, 
we got to see what the rules they kind of pass here. But if we could start come this from a point of view of how do we educate people to give them the power to make their own decisions and then hold some people more accountable to what they're doing. I think the combination there, uh, we're going to see some great things happen. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, the potential is limitless here, but it's still very wild west, like you said, where the accountability piece, right. And transparency piece in a lot of this stuff is still, um, smoke in clouds a little bit, it feels like. And I think the regulation piece yeah. is gonna is gonna be a good thing for that space to give the people who really can and will do great things with blockchain and with crypto and with you know NFTs and things like that, the ability to do it in a more level playing field. But like you said, I think it's still really clunky. It's not simple enough, you know, for mass adoption and to really get the traction that you know I think a lot of people see is coming. But um, I was just curious if you guys were tracking on anything specifically or if there was an NFT project, you know, for Diversifund in the works or anything exciting there. Yeah, we're looking at it. We're always looking at it. Just like we just tell us the, the regulatory thing is the big thing that, that I would say that is the biggest thing in our way. It's what is that? What are the rules? Tell us the rules so we know how to build something. Because if I do a whole tech project out and do all the coding and all that stuff, that takes a good amount of time. Right. We do that and they change the rules. I got to redo that again. So we're there. We're, we're building out our infrastructure to be accepting crypto. Um, if they allow us to. I love it, man. I love it. Well, Craig, brother, it's always a pleasure talking and hearing what you guys are up to. Uh, for those that want to know more about you, follow your journey or get you know more information on Diversity Fund, where's the best place for them to do that? It's easy to check out diversityfund.com. Also to reach out to me, Craig Cecilio, CXC, all my social handles are Craig Cecilio or, or have CXC involvement. Awesome, brother. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Look forward to staying in touch, seeing what you guys continue to crush moving forward. And thanks for coming on the show today. Great. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info on how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friend. <laughs>